welcome to Faith of Our Fathers. This week we feature Percy Crawford and his weekly television broadcast, Youth on the March. Percy's first experience in radio to reach lost souls came in 1925 when he was a student at Biola, the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. Biola had an extremely powerful radio station, KTBL, perhaps the first all-religious radio station in the world. Percy got up to the microphone and preached to a large audience. He understood the power of radio to get his message across to those who needed Jesus in their lives. Today's three sermons, with a little help from his family, are taken right from the early 1950 Youth on the March broadcasts. I want to talk to you for a few moments about a man that the Lord Jesus caught up a tree. A very interesting story, and uh, will you just stay with us now just for a few minutes while I read to you the story here from the St. Luke, the 19th chapter, in the Bible it is, the 19th chapter, the second verse. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. This to me is an interesting story of a man who was uh, short and handicapped, but he had heard of Jesus, perhaps heard of some of the miracles that he performed, and vowed that he was going to see him, though he was busy a very busy tax collector, very busy in his work and his profession as a publican. And so, but he knew at a parade, you know, it's pretty hard when you're short to see much unless you have a soapbox or something to stand up on. And uh, so he decided that he'd use his head and he went on ahead of the parade as Jesus was coming. It was somewhat of a parade. He went on ahead, climbed up into a huge sycamore tree out over the, the street on a, on a limb, and he had a, a wonderful box seat. And he was sitting there watching the parade and as Jesus was coming along, and uh, he had a desire. I noticed here as I read this that uh, he had a desire to see Jesus. He sought to see Jesus, it said, and that's God-given. When God gives you a desire, my friend, for religious things, when God gives you a desire to, to uh, search the scriptures, to find out if this thing is real, that's heaven sent. That's terrific. That's wonderful. The fact that you have a desire tonight to look in on this telecast and find out what this thing's all about and whether it's real, God gave it. God gave it to you. And he wanted to see Jesus, but he had many hindrances. And I noticed them. I jotted them down today. I noticed there was a hindrance of the press. It said there was a great press. Now, this was a, a lot of people, but the press sometimes hinders people. Propaganda does that. Propaganda, they say education is propaganda. And a lot of our education and propaganda today is determined to stamp out and question the existence and the fact that Jesus lived and walked and talked, the historicity of Jesus. That's a hindrance. And then publicity. A great crowd was there. And you know, there are a lot of people today would become a Christian and would trust the Lord Jesus as their Savior, only they're afraid of the crowd. In fact, some of you tonight, you're afraid to take Christ as your Savior. Why? Because if you went into the plant tomorrow and told them that Christ was your Savior, they'd laugh at you. Because you wouldn't be popular. Because they say, oh, did you hear Bill, Jack, Harry? Well, he's got religion. They got it. He hit the sawdust trail. And you're afraid somebody will laugh at you. The crowd, the sneer. And I'd far rather have some little two-before laugh at me 
then I would have God laugh at me in the judgment day. You've got to reach the place where you're going to say, I don't care whether that godless bunch like it or not, they're not going to laugh me into hell. The crowd. But uh, it wasn't keeping him from seeing Jesus. And then his plight, he was little. He was small and he was despised. And there are many a person tonight despised and small in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of the big shots in the world, but big in God's sight. And then I noticed his position. He was rich. You know, sometimes that's a tragedy. Sometimes people have so much money they build up around them a group of society that they cannot, it's impossible for them to stand for Jesus Christ. They've spent their money and built a circle around them of friends, a society that they can't become a Christian. That's a tragedy. Money often does that. That's a tragedy. And then he was a publican. He was the chief of sinners. He was, he was, he was that one of the head men. He was determined to turn a turncoat so far as the Jews were concerned. These things kept them away, hindrances to the Son of God. I want to ask you there, my friend, uh, not that other person, there you. What's the thing that's keeping you away from Jesus? What's the thing in your life? Never mind the other person, you. Uh, this man overcame them. He was determined. And as Jesus came along, it says he came to the place and he looked up and he saw him. He looked up and he saw him. Oh, what a wonderful phrase. And the Lord Jesus sees you tonight. Yes, sir, you can't get away from him. Even though he was up in the tree, he saw him. And there are many, you know, I received an interesting letter this week. A man was uh, uh, away from God. He had been in the service and he was drunken and he was foul and he admitted it. And he happened by accident as he was leaving the room when our telecast was on and he saw little Deanie. And he, it was said in the letter how he said, oh, look at that lad. Look at me. Look at what a wretch I am. Look how low down I am. Look how I... That's right. That's right. That's how God sees you. That's how God sees me before him. He, and he saw him, sin-stained and black and deserving of hell. And it's only when you reach that place, my friend, that God can do a thing for you. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, make haste today. Four things. Make haste today. Uh, I must abide at thy house. Call him my name. Do him. Make haste. Hurry up. Come on. Today, not tomorrow. I must abide at thy house for today, he said, salvation has come to thy house for today. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Somebody said a while back, I'm lost, I'm lost, I'm lost. And the person said, good, good, good. Yes, the Son of God has come to seek and save that which was lost. That's right. And on Calvary, he purchased your redemption. I don't care if you're the lowest of the low or the highest of the high. He did that. And then it said he was converted. His cry was to see Jesus. The command was that he must come to the place and make haste and trust him and then his conversion. He received him joyfully. He received him joyfully. I've received four or five hundred letters this week in which men and women said by, and boys and girls by their television sets last Sunday night gave their hearts to crisis. Joyfully. Happy. It's the thing that's worthwhile. And it says he stood. He stood. Oh, that we had men and women throughout this nation willing to stand up for the Son of God and say, I don't care, come what may, I'm going to be a Christian so that when I die, when I reach the end of the road, I can know that I'm headed for heaven. But we offer you, yours for the taking tonight, if you'll pay the price and trust them and overcome some of these hindrances. Will you do it? Will you settle it? I hope you will. May we bow our heads in a word of prayer. heads are bowed, 
eyes are closed. God's been speaking to your heart there tonight. We're not asking much about you. We don't care what color you are, what nationality, or what church you belong to. We know that you're a sinner just like us. And you need the Lord Jesus. And I wonder how many of you, how many of you all over this nation tonight will bow your heads and say, yes, I'm going to let him in. I'm going to settle this thing. I'm going to pay the price, cost what it may. And write me the box one I'd love to hear from. Our Father, bless these. Oh, may there be a great many tonight, not wandering aimlessly without a hope, but trusting Jesus Christ and being different and standing for him. We pray in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. We now continue with the second sermon. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. The greatest event of history is yet to come, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not a fanatic. I don't believe like the folks who gathered out in Hollywood a while back and sold all their goods and all their property and everything and stood out there waiting for the coming of the Son of God. No, no, we don't go in for that. But we believe the record that's found in the Bible about facts. That's what I want to leave with you tonight. Jesus said, and if I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself. If I go away, I will come again. He says that right here in John 14th chapter. If I go away, I will come again. Now, the angel said, oh, Why stand ye here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you shall so come in like manner. We're expecting the coming of the Son of God. And I want just in these few minutes, if you, will you listen there now? I want to talk to you about this great event. What the Bible says about it. We are now living in the age of grace. We believe that. We believe the next event is the coming of the Son of God. This same Jesus is going to come. Then we'll set in the terrible time of tribulation at which everyone shall have the mark of the beast, must have the mark, 666, in order to buy or do a thing or live. And then we'll set in this terrible tribulation time, followed and climaxed by Armageddon, the terrific battle over there uh, uh, around the Dead Sea. And then we'll set in the kingdom and a short time of uh, suffering, followed by eternity, at which time the Lord Jesus shall reign. But now to this subject, the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's to be sudden. I read over in Mark, the 13th chapter, the 32nd verse, listen. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son of, of God. He doesn't even know. Jesus himself does not know when he's to return. Now that's something. But here, in the 24th chapter of Matthew, the 37th to the 42nd verse, listen, I want to read this to you. But of the days, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until that day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Watch now. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, and the other left. Here is a suddenness by which one person will be looking at a television set. Another one will be looking at it. One will be taken, the other left. The, the sudden, one person, two people shall be riding on a streetcar. One shall be taken, the other left. The suddenness of this thing at which the Son of God is going to come. Then the signs of his coming. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, I read this. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed and the son of perdition. A falling away, a distinct, definite falling away before the coming of the Son of God. Now that's what the Bible says. I'm reading to you from the Bible. It's important to see what the Bible says about it. Then I turn over here to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, the third chapter, the first verse. Listen to it. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. 
For men shall be lovers, now watch, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, picture of today, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, my, we have that today, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, we've got traitors around, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. My point is this, the Bible brings out the fact that the coming of the Son of God, there will be signs ahead of His coming. And these signs are definitely being fulfilled today. I turn over to 2 Peter, the third chapter, and the third verse. Listen to it. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? Where is it? Why, as since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Where is the promise? And they laugh and they sneer. I was standing at an elevator the other day and a man yelled down the shaft and said, Oh, you're as slow as the second coming of Christ. I nearly fell over. But that's right. Scoffers, sneering, ridiculing. I say uh, it's the signs are all at hand. I believe, my friend, the stage is set for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's imminent. He's about to return. They tell us and they're scaring us about the atomic bomb and the hydrogen bomb and things look as though that the uh, old enemy is going to destroy us. Certainly, I'm preparing a sermon right now on that very thing, the atomic bomb in relation to the coming of Jesus Christ. And this old country is going to get it, and our own United States. God says in the word of God, the element shall be dissolved. And I'll prove that to you one of these times, that the coming of the Son of God is very near. The atomic bomb, well, you may be scared, my friend, for when the Lord Jesus comes, he's going to declare his purpose, and he's going to stamp and rule with all his authority. The element shall be dissolved, and God shall come for his people. Today, just this afternoon, I was reading a couple of verses. I was amazed to find them in the Bible. Listen to it. The Jew is a perfect sign of the coming of the Son of God. God said in Isaiah 27, 6, listen, He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. And the Jews are returning now, thank God, back to Palestine by the millions. They're going back there by the thousands. And then I read today Jeremiah 32, 37. Listen to it. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries, whither I have driven them in mine anger and in my fury and in great wrath, and I will bring them again unto the place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. God is bringing the Jew back today to Palestine, a direct fulfillment of their scriptures and the New Testament. Just before Jesus comes again, he's bringing back, he's picking out a people for his name's sake. He's selecting and saving those that need redemption. And my friend, you may be the last one tonight by your television set there that may complete the bride of Christ. And if you're not, when the bride is completed and the last one saved, you'll be left here. What a horrible thing to be left and go through the suffering and agony of the tribulation. Oh, settle it tonight. Get on the track and know the joy of having your sins forgiven. May we bow our heads in a word of prayer as the fellows sing. are bowed and eyes are closed there now I wonder how many of you would like to settle it right there by your television sets and get ready for this soon coming of Jesus Christ and write us to box one Philadelphia we'd love to hear of it our father bless these may there be a great many tonight throughout the nation get on the track and become acquainted with Jesus and be ready for his soon coming in Jesus name we pray amen the four D's will now sing Lord I want a shiny diadem composed by Merle Dunlop 
He was the organist for the Moody Church from 1921 through 1924 and served as director at the Chicago Gospel Tabernacle from 1926 through 1953. He also wrote over 700 hymns. Their mommy is over here at the piano. All right, boys. Sometimes a life is changed by whether one says no or yes. I heard the other day of a young fellow who uh, was going out uh, for the evening, and a friend of his said, say, he said, do you have a date for tonight? Well, he said, it all depends on the weather. He said, the weather, what do you mean, what's that got to do about a date? Well, he said, whether she says yes or no. And so sometimes it works out that way. It's very important, the no's and the yes's, you know, that has a lot to do. Uh, it, it's very important tonight whether you turned that dial and uh, stayed to looking at us this, at this program. And we appreciate the fact you've allowed us into your home. But just wait there now. I want to read a portion of scripture to you from the Bible. Matthew, the 7th chapter, the 21st verse. Listen now, will you? Not everyone, Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Not, you notice the not, the, the negative, the negation there, if you please. Not everyone. Uh, it, some folks think, you know, well, just as long as they do the best they can and try hard and go to church and are kind to the poor. But that's not enough. A lady wrote me and she said, Mr. Crawford, you please tell me whether I'm a Christian. She said, I do the best I can. I try hard. I'm kind to dumb animals. She says, even out of respect for your program, I never take any drinks of whiskey when your program's on. Well, that's interesting, but that's not enough. That's, uh, the, there's more to it. And Jesus says, not everybody. Not everybody that just goes through the motions of it. And ultimately, God will make a difference. God says, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in there at, but straight and narrow is the road that leads to life eternal. You know, a while back, I was out in Seattle. I stood there at the, on those huge locks at Lake Union and Lake Washington where they unite and bring the waters up from one level to another. I heard some uh, bells ringing and machinery going and I walked out on those locks and I stood with one foot on one lock and one foot on the other and stood there in the middle. 
I heard somebody yell, a whistle go, and a uh, uh, bell go off, and I stood there, and the locks started to open. And I stayed there. Uh, they couldn't get to me, and the locks said to open. I stood there uh, a while back when I was younger and more foolish. And I stood there, and uh, the distance got wider and wider between me, and my legs started to spread apart, and finally I had to reach over and make a decision and go one side or the other. I couldn't stay in the middle. And so it is with God. God says, you've got to make a choice. Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. And if you're going to go to heaven, you've got to make a choice. It isn't everybody. Not every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Just because they're born expects to go to heaven. No, no, that's not enough. Jesus said, not everybody. Why is it? Because of sin. Into your life and my life has come the stain of sin that has blackened and marred it before a holy God. And tonight, as God looks in your heart and my heart, he beholds it black and sin-stained and deserving of hell. And that's why he said not everybody's going to get in. You know, when I was going to college, we had a flag rush, the freshmen against the sophomores. Of course, I being a sophomore, we were defending the flag. And we were having a grand time. And uh, so some of us sophomores, being a little wiser, we thought, than some of these green freshmen. We waited, you know. They, oh, the, they put mud and dirt and tar all around and water. They watered all around the flagpole the night before. It was just a field of mud. But the fight started. About four hours, I think it was. And we scrambled and we fought. And sometimes I was thrown over. Once I was thrown over and looked up at one of my buddies. And I just looked at him and I laughed. I just bent over double. He was mud and tar from head to foot in his hair. And I, just, I said, what a wonderful-looking sight you are. We just roared about it. It was all over. I went down to my room and walked into my room and looked up in the mirror. And there all I could see was two white eyes. I was laughing at him. Thought he certainly looked funny. But when I got to look at myself, all I saw was just two white spots in my head. Tar from head to foot. And it's nice for some people, you know, to look at others and say, oh, yeah, look at that sinner. Look at that. Yeah, how about you? When you get a look at yourself in the light of God's word, you see how black and vile and sin-stained you are. And ultimately, God will make a difference. You can't fool God. But unfortunately, man rejects the Savior. That's the thing that amazes me, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and you know that, that 1,900 years ago, Jesus died on the cross for you and for your sin. You know that. But that's not enough. Ultimately, God will reject the sinner. And unfortunately, man rejects the Savior. That's the amazing thing that I can't understand. A while back, I read the story in the newspaper of a man who jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge. He jumped off, his body came whirling through to commit suicide, whirling through the air, and he lit, and a tugboat was going up, and saw him coming, saw him land, and one man threw him a lifeline, and the life belt lit right within his grasp when he came up. And I heard there out on the waters, Away with it, I'm through. Oh, and he swore, Away with it, and I'm through. He sank. Could he blame anybody for sinking and perishing? Not at all. My friend, God has thrown you the lifeline of salvation that's in Christ Jesus. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And tonight, there by your television set, you've got to make a choice. Whether you're going to accept him and receive him, unhappily, unhappily, God will refuse the sinner. The day is going to come when Jesus said, I will say unto them, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's the tragedy of it, that God is going to send you because you deliberately, knowingly, willingly, because of some petty little excuse you may have, reject him and say, I won't have him to reign over me. Then that's your, that's your sad plight. Mr. Legters, a real friend, a great missionary, a Pinebrook speaker, he, he was down in South America going from station to station in the mission fields. And he said he left one city and was way out in the uh, flats, way out in the uh, far from any uh, town. And he looked back and he saw a form coming after him. He went on for a mile or two with his uh, uh, animals that were taking him, and he looked back again, and is getting closer. And so he said to his guide, wait, we'll wait for him. 
And finally, this native boy got up to him. Came up to him, and when he came up to Mr. Legters, he started crying, and he said, Senor, Senor, I'm lost, I'm lost, I'm lost. And he cried as though his heart would break. And tonight, my friend, there are scores, thousands of you throughout uh, this nation of ours, you're lost, you've no hope. And what a tragedy it will be when the Lord Jesus says to you, Depart from me, I never knew you. To hear you go down into the caverns of hell and down into the sides of the pit crying, I'm lost, I'm lost, I'm lost. Because tonight you willingly, knowingly said, I don't want Jesus Christ as my Savior. We've received him. My, we're thrilled over the joy we've had since we accepted him. We want you to do that too right now. Will you do it? I hope you will. May we bow our heads in a word of prayer. are bowed and eyes are closed I want to just come to you personally there now by your television set I want to ask you what are you going to do with the Lord Jesus not what you're going to do with me not what you think of me like me or not that's not the point how about him what has he done against you has he hurt your harm he wants tonight to come into your heart and life and transform it then when you die he'll give you not only joy here but a hope beyond the grave when you die and that's more than anyone else can offer Will you bow your head there now and accept him, receive him, and write me to Box 1, Philadelphia. I'd love to hear of it. Hundreds have these past few weeks, and we're thrilled at it. Our Father, bless these. Oh, bless our homes throughout America. Bless every man and woman and boy and girl and young person. May this night, as they view this program, come to the place where they say, As for me, I'm choosing Jesus Christ. May they mean it, and may they really trust him with all their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Percy Crawford and Youth on the March. Listen to Faith of Our Fathers each Saturday and Sunday to hear more great 20th century preachers.